Uh, we didn't have a piano player. We hit a CD player, and we sang with that. And then I remember we got uh, uh, the Chavers family were here for a couple years, and Anna would play the piano. And then after that, uh, God blessed us with uh, Brother St. John's mom, and she played for us as well. I might be forgetting somebody. If I am, I'm sorry. Then I remember one day I looked at Ariana. I said, okay, you're up. And she said, I'm not ready. I said, I wasn't when I started either. Amen. Um, and it's just a blessing to see where, where God has brought us. Look at Luke 2. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning. And um, forgive me. Uh, this message is very personal to me right now. Uh, and you can probably tell by the title of the message why. Because one baby can change everything. And, uh, you know, bringing a, a new baby, a newborn in your home changes everything about your home and about your lifestyle. And uh, there's no doubt that some 2,000 years ago, a baby was born and he changed everything. Amen. Uh, look at Luke chapter number two and uh, look, if you would, at verse number one. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. There's a lot of historic implication to what you read in verse 4. I don't have time to unwrap all of that. Uh, but I'll just say this. As you learn in Sunday school, God doesn't put things in the Bible for no reason. Right. The reason Bethlehem is mentioned is due to a prophecy in Micah chapter number 5 about where the Messiah would be born. Uh, look what it says in verse 5. And, and by the way, he's of the house and lineage of David. That would connect him to the throne of David on which God the Father said no man would ever, there would never be a, a lack of someone to sit on the throne of David from David's posterity. Thus, the fulfillment of scripture and prophecy. Look at verse 5, talking about Joseph, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great, with child. By the way, there are a lot of things you can say to a woman when she's pregnant. Uh, <laughs> you don't fit in your dress like you used to is not one of them, amen? All right. Uh, can I touch your belly? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, uh, here, here's another one. Oh, you always look like that. If a woman is six months pregnant and you tell that, it's going to make her think she was always... You guys with me right now? Just say this. You are great with child. Amen. Use that. It's a Bible term. It works. All right. She was great with child. Uh, and the Bible says, and so it was, and while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I want to dive into the thought this morning that one baby can change everything. Isaac, it's, it's good to have you home from uh, Bible school. Um, and uh, looked a little bloodshot, but uh, he's here. Uh, that's what school schedule does to you. If you'd open us up in a word of prayer. Yep. 
Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. How many guys remember the first time you brought your newborn home? All right. All right. So do you guys remember baby proofing stuff? How about the baby gates? Remember baby gates? All right. And uh, let's see here. How about you got to wash with drift because you can't use the normal stuff. Remember that? Uh, and and I, I learned some stuff on this one that I, I didn't know really was even a thing. Uh, I, this little spaceship-looking thing that we sit her in, and it does all this stuff with her in it, and it plays music, and, and it kind of makes her calm, you know, and, and uh, it's called the Mamaru. I didn't know that that existed. I, I, half of her wardrobe is made out of bamboo. I didn't know you could make clothes out of bamboo. Had no idea. Her room looks like a hippie and a boho artist had a fight, and that was the result of it. Uh, I mean, like, the, 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 Olivia coming to our home has changed so many things. It, it reminded me of, like, shh, remember that? Shh. You know, the kids going, hey, mom, guess what? Shh. Took me two hours to get this baby to sleep. Shut up. In the name of Jesus, amen. Right? I, I mean, there's all these things that are bringing up. I didn't know what a doula was. I thought it was, like, some kind of Islamic thing, a, a doula. I didn't know. And, and so my wife's like, what do you think about a doula? I'm like, okay. Are we changing religions? No, honey. A doula. She starts explaining to me. I'm like, oh, that sounds wonderful. And then I'm like, how much? She told me like, oh, well, maybe we should pray about that. Amen. And then she prayed about it and said, we're doing a doula. Amen. And that was kind of how that went. And, but I tell you what, there's all this stuff. I didn't know. Listen, in 12 years from having a kid from the last time we had a kid to now, there's a lot that's changed. We were like, oh, rubbing alcohol to put on the, you know, the little, the little stub of the umbilical cord and it'll come off. They go, oh, no, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, what else is new? Tell me everything that we don't do anymore. There are all these different things at the hospital. I mean, and then you bring the baby home. And then when you bring the baby home, it changes everything all over again. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I, uh, I think it's really cool. It's, I think, it, listen, some guys have a midlife crisis and they buy a Corvette. I'm having mine, I'm like, let's have a baby. So, so I, I'm, it's kind of where I'm at, all right? You can go on, you can, you can be, you know, like, oh, you can go this route. You go, oh, man, I'm going to be how old when she graduates high school? Or you could say, this is my Corvette, amen? And that's kind of where I'm parking my car. Uh, but but what, I, what, I, what I'm, I'm saying is this, is that, listen, there are things that change when you have a newborn. You nursing moms, remember, the, when you started to think about what you were eating because you didn't want to pass it on to the baby, I mean, why would a man ever want to be a woman? That's all I'm thinking right now. Because good grief, I like eating whatever I want without worrying about it impacting another life. I mean, you know, my wife's like, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm so, I'm dying for caffeine, but I don't want to have too much coffee. It'll get, I'm like, man, I just like IV right there. After a couple hours of sleep, give me the IV of caffeine. Don't look at me like that. All right, so, some of you young people are like, yeah, I've got two hours. So I've seen some of the young people come to church. Oh, I'm so tired, Pat. What'd you do? I played video games at two in the morning. Shut up! That's not a reason to be tired. Bring a baby in your house. Then you'll learn what real manhood's all about. When you get up at one in the morning and you're happy, you find like you're kind of drunk or something, you know, and you're like, well, oh, I've got this thing in my arms, right? And, and you're like, oh, man. And she's screaming. But instead of like being upset about it, you're just like, oh. I mean, if some other human came into my house screaming at 2 a.m., I'd shoot him. <laughs> Here's this, I'm like, oh. <laughs> it just, it does something to you when you have a newborn. It does. I turn into the biggest goober in the world. My children know this. Grandma knows this. All right? Like, I give the baby a, 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 her own voice, and it's like, look who's talking all the time in my house. <laughs> Things change when there's a newborn in the house. And let me just say that 2,000 years ago, a newborn showed up, and he changed everything. And I'll also say this, that nobody ever meets Jesus without two things happening. A need for a decision and a need for some kind of change. I I don't read in the Gospels anyone that meets Jesus and then walks away and says, well, he's a nice guy. (laughs) I, I I don't see that. They either go, kill him, or they go, no man spake like this man. 
There's, there's some kind of decision. This idea that, well, I'm kind of nominal. I'm kind of in the middle. No, that's not how it works. Either you are going to accept him or you're going to reject him. Everyone that meets Jesus, there's a, a requirement for a decision. And following that, there's a need for change. How about this? Have you heard this mantra? You're beautiful the way that you are. Now, let me just say this for the young ladies. Time out. You need to hear that because the world constantly puts Instagram and TikTok and whatever else. And oh, by the way, everyone's talking about how like TikTok, it could be evil. You just figuring that out now? You just figuring that because because now people are talking about it online. So now you're thinking, oh, th- you're telling me that someone something that's backed by the Chinese Communist Party that they won't even give to their own kids is bad for your kids. Get a brain, parents. Take the phone out of their hands. Amen. I know what I'm saying. I've got a couple kids of my own. Don't look at me like that. And listen, Olivia, I have a 12-year-old. She says, Dad, you know, I can have a, home, a phone, you know, when I watch the baby. I'm like, when you're, when you're driving. But, Dad, what do you think? I said, you know what you're going to have? We're going to get an old-fashioned phone that goes into the wall, that goes, <laughs> and we're going to put that in the wall. And when you're babysitting your sister, if there's an emergency, dial 9, one, one, right? That's all that you need until you're driving. I mean, until, listen, do whatever you want with your own home. I, I can just seal the daggers right now, especially when the young people, why try to take my phone away? You'd have a lot more time for things that matter if you got it out of your hands. You go, what does that have to do with the message? Absolutely nothing, but I'm liking it right now because of the reaction that I'm getting. But here's what I want you to understand, that whenever you, you meet Jesus, there, there's a need for something to change. When you got saved, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new Your attitude should be different. If you were selfish before you got saved and you're still selfish and you don't see a need to work on that, that's on you, that's not on God. And that's not because salvation is broken, it's because you don't want to change where God is saying to change. Listen, whenever Peter is confronted by the Lord, the Lord says, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Peter had a changed life. Peter did not exist the same way after Christ as he did before Christ. How about Zacchaeus? You know what Zacchaeus was? A wee little man, a wee little man was. He looked nothing like Joe, I can tell you that. Amen? (laughs) Zacchaeus was the end justifies the means kind of guy. If I got to steal, if I got to be a crook to make a buck, I got to do what I got to do. It's business. And uh, you know what, what happens after he meets the Lord? Listen, listen to this. He says this. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation. He's, he's putting the if in there just like, you know, just in case. Like, I, I know I did this, but it, not everybody in the room knows I did this. He says, I restore him fourfold. And then Jesus says, behold, today salvation has come in this house. You know what Jesus is saying? Here is a changed man. (laughs) Yes, I understand that after you're saved, you still have your flesh. I get all of that, but there should be some change. People should look at you and go, there's something different about you. The Bible says of the centurion that was not a believer, as a matter of fact, I guess you could probably say he's your average agnostic. He's not for him. He's not against him. But if he gets a shot at making fun of the Lord, he'll take it. Because the centurion was there with all the other Roman soldiers, and they mocked him. They ripped his beard out. They put the crown of thorns. They bowed before him. Oh, hail, king of the Jews. And they made a big joke out of it. And how do you go from being that guy to being the guy that says, truly, this man was the son of God? Unless you've been changed. Because you met him. How about Nicodemus? He comes to Jesus by night. Remember that story? He's kind of like the guy that's like cool with Jesus on Sunday at church. But then if you go out in the world and, you know, are you one of those people? Like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one of those Jesus freaks. Are you one of those people that believes that old book with the these and the thous? And weren't anybody that was in Sunday school, you know, what blew my mind away. People saying that that book is so hard to understand and sitting there and watching all the glorious pictures found in the tabernacle from an old book that nobody could understand. And here's Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the guy that doesn't want to be associated with Jesus, so he comes at night. He's a secret disciple. How do you go from being that guy in John chapter 3 to being the guy that after Jesus is dead, everyone knows you publicly came and brought a a mixture of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of Jesus? He's been changed. You see, Jesus is supposed to change things. Jesus is supposed to change everything in your life. And and listen, for those that allow him to, he does. You are perfect the way that you are. Yes and no. 
You are made in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you're battling with image, you know, your, your self-image and, you know, I need, to, I need to look like the girl, you know, in that TikTok and she looks like this and stands like this and then, then all this stuff. You don't need all that, all right? You are, God made you the way he made you. And that's all you need to know about that. But in regards to the fact that when you get saved, well, I'm just perfect the way I am. Listen, there is to be some change in your life. I remember saying, I don't need to change for anybody. Maybe not for people, but for God, you should. Absolutely. Listen, the Lord did not come into your life for you to live the same way after you were saved. And listen, if you ever get to the place as a believer that you say this, I'm done changing. I've come far enough. You're in trouble. You know what's dangerous for you kids that are brought up in church? You hear stuff your whole entire life. I wouldn't trade, listen to me, if you're Joe Stevens, you're Ariana, you're Isabella, you're, any of these kids are uh, Kira, uh, Jameis, I wouldn't trade their life for anyone that got saved in their 40s. I'm thankful you got saved when you were 40. I'm thankful that you got saved at all, amen? But I wouldn't trade getting saved when you're young, growing up in church, being disciple, getting taught the word of God, and the worst thing you ever hear is Pat's the Pirate. I wouldn't trade that for anything. However, can I give you a danger that if you're not careful, you fall under? You fall under the danger of, I've heard that my whole life, I'm good. I'm fine just where I'm at. I don't need to change anything else. You need to understand the law of moral gravity, which the law of moral gravity is simply this, that if something is not holding something up, eventually it just goes down. And you live in a sin-cursed world, and you are, listen to me, you are constantly changing whether you realize it or not. You're going in one of two directions, but you're never just static. You might think you are, but you're not. And so what I want to remind you of this morning is this, that newborn changed everything 2,000 years ago, and he should be changing things in your life today. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. For whom he did foreknow, Romans 8, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. The moment you got saved, God started a do-it-yourself project, amen? The greatest DIY project that anyone's ever embarked upon, God started, and that was salvation in you. He saved you, and he goes, you know what? I'm gonna form you every day more and more in the image of my son. And every day, I'm gonna take you and bring you through circumstances and events and situations and with people, and I wanna see the character of my son come into your life more and more. There should be a change, listen to me, on a daily basis. I was looking at pictures yesterday and getting ready for the adoption date on, on uh, uh, Friday, Thursday, excuse me, and very excited about that and, you know, excited to have the kids officially uh, with our last name and, and uh, Preston's going to be Preston, what's your middle name? Adrian. That's awesome. That's because he, wa- he wanted it. I didn't force it on him. Listen, for years I told you guys, name your kid Adrian. I finally had to do it myself. <laughs> No one picked me up on it, so like Preston, what do you think? He's like, yeah, sure, all right. <laughs> I was looking at pictures, and I, I saw a picture of Ethan. And Ethan, man, like when you first, I don't, I know you probably don't remember this, when you first came, man, you were so small. And I was looking at a picture of him last night. I was walking down, I was, I was doing this thing, you know, with Olivia. And I'm walking down the stairs. <laughs> mm, there's a dad grunt right there, right there. Air fist bump, brother, right there, yeah, that's it. And I'm walking down the stairs with Olivia, and I, I see this picture. We, we got like the, the Dominguez Hall of Shame, or fame, and, and all the <laughs> kids' pictures are up there. And I say that because when, uh, the older one's like, ew, I was so gross looking when I was a kid. I'm like, you were adorable. You're mean now, but you were cute then. <laughs> but walking down the stairs, and I, I saw Ethan's little frame, and I saw a picture when he was first here, and I remember taking it. We were outside by the flagpole. And it was just you and me playing catch or something. And I said, hey, look here. And it's like, look at the camera. He's like, uh, here. <laughs> so the picture's like him looking down. But he's just, just tiny. And, and I look at him now. I was like, whoa. But do you realize I didn't wake up every day and I didn't say, whoa, you've grown so much. But after a couple of years, you look at the pictures and you go, wow, what a change. You, you, may, you may not see everything that God is doing in your life every single day. But if you ever, can, if you, can you do this this morning? Maybe just stand back. Maybe stand back and, and just look at where you started. And thank God for the change that he has accomplished in your life. And can I say this? Don't stop there. You know what Jesus says to Peter? I will make you fishers of men. That's where it starts for Peter. You know where it ends? 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, we shall all be changed. Once and for all. I cannot wait. That I, I'm going, I'll have a mind that never thinks the wrong thing, a mouth that never says the wrong thing, uh, eyes that never look at the wrong thing, hands that never handle the wrong thing, a heart that never wants to go in the wrong direction. I can't wait for that. I'll be changed once and for all. But you know what? I think some Christians have it in their mind that God changed me at salvation, and he's going to fix me at the rapture, and I'm done in between then. That is not how the Christian life ought to go. I don't care if you're uh, teaching Sunday school, leading the youth group, you know, having a newborn in your house, wherever you're at in your stage of life, uh, doing music ministry, you should be changing for Jesus Christ every single day. And if you come to a place where you go, you know what, I am done. I think I've come far enough. Can I remind you that your Savior went a little bit further? Ben, did you ever think three years ago in your spare time? I mean, for... You're, if someone told you three years ago, you are going to drive an hour and a half one way to church. <laughs> He's like, uh, no, no. In your spare time, you're going to read books on theology. <laughs> That's a big no. All right, Brother Sean, I, I, I heard a little bit of the message from Wednesday night, most of it actually, and, and uh, sitting in the hospital, and, and uh, yeah, I'm spying, man. I want to know what's going on here when I'm not here. I'm kidding. It was a real blessing. It was a good message, and I, I'm listening to him talking about you know, when he first came and went out with us to do evangelism and all that, man, if someone had told Sean six years ago, you're going you're gonna to preach behind a pulpit. And you're going to preach out on the street. Would you believe him? And if, if someone were to tell you, Miss Anita, that your son was going to go to Bible school four years ago, would you believe it? I felt some spice in that one. That's like, absolutely not. No. <laughs> I've got to be careful who I ask what. <laughs> That's a Latina coming out in that mama. You know what I'm trying to get at? 2,000 years ago, a baby was born, and he's still changing lives today. Can I say this, number one? One baby should change your plans. Amen. I can tell you this. We had this idea. I remember vividly sitting in our bedroom talking about, okay, in 2019, we were looking at Emma. She would have been nine years old. And we were talking about how, like, look, in nine years. Cruises, world travel. I mean, mission, um, mission trips, mission trips, right? Well, me and my wife are going to be able to do whatever we want to do, and the kids will be out of the house. It's going to be great, you know? And, and, and then it was like, you know, the Lord just said, we want you. We, we want these boys. You, know, you need these boys, and those boys need you. And it was like, all right, cool. And we looked at Ethan. We're like, okay, he's three right now. And 15, yeah, and 15, it went a little bit longer, 15 years. And then in April this year, at 2 a.m. on my 41st birthday, my wife screams, and I think something's wrong, or someone's in the house, and I, I grab a, a, a tool of defense, I shall say, and I go to find my wife on the bathroom floor crying, going, I can't believe it! <laughs> now she does not, we can't, we can't, we got to take this down. If Olivia ever watches this message, her self-esteem will be broken. But this is where it started because in our minds, we're like, man, in just, you know, this many years, we're going to be empty nesters. Hey, don't look at me like that, like we don't love kids. I got more than a lot of you guys do. Stop it. <laughs> Some of you look at me like, does he not love children? I love children, all right? But not, I don't want to have 27 of them, all right? So on my 41st birthday, I can't do this. I'm like, what can't you do? What's going on? I don't understand. And she just points to that little device on the floor. And I'm like, oh. And it, it took everything inside of me. To, you know, I wanted to say, <laughs> I wanted to get on the floor and go, I can't do this. <laughs> I only had 15 more years, you know, whatever it was. I think at this point it would have been 13 more years or something like that, and we'd be done. And, and, uh, and I just had all the courage. I think it was the Spirit of God, honestly. And I just said, we can do this. We've got this. No, I don't. I'm 40. I'll be 41. I said, we got this. It's going to be okay. Now, look, she's changed a lot since, don't judge my wife. Since that day, she has been ecstatic about this baby's arrival. But it was a little bit of a shock. 
Do you know what that baby did for us? She changed, she changed our plans. You know what I normally do at 1 a.m.? <laughs> I don't hang out with newborns. Okay? She's changing my plans. Are you with me? Can I ask you a question? Can, God change, can Jesus Christ change your plans? He ought to be able to. Can, can I point out that for Mary and Joseph, look at verse 6, they had a baby on a road trip. <laughs> I mean, that's really a memorable road trip right there. You know, did you pack this? Yeah. Did you pack this? Yeah. Did you pack this? Yeah. Did you pack the Mamaru? Did you pack the bamboo sleeper? Did you pack the... I don't even know what half the stuff is. I can't even use the words because I don't know what they are. By the way, I am now big brother. I said for years, I'll never get that nanny cam. That's evil. I feel like big government. I don't want that. It's like surveying on people's lives. And now I'm like, can I look? <laughs> you see, you see what's that? The, the baby changes your plans. They had a baby in a manger. Look at verse 7. That's not normal. That's not how you write it up. It's not part of the birthing plan. You get to the hospital and go, what's your birthing plan? I'm like, I don't know. Push it out. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that's what a guy thinks. I don't, they ask you these questions. I'm like, uh, have the baby. And they look at you, no, don't you know? You don't know what the birth plan? I'm like, honey, help me out here. You know? Listen, you know, I can tell you this. The birth plan was not for them to have this baby in a manger. And yet, there he is. Every parent dreams about providing the best for their kids. They don't dream about taking their child and laying them in a bed of hay. But God had different plans. I'll never forget one time we were traveling to Bismarck, North Dakota, and we were driving there for a missions thing or something when Spencer Baker was still the pastor at Open Door Baptist in Bismarck, now our missionary to Hawaii, <laughs> North Dakota, Hawaii. You get it now? Do you understand? Okay, all right. Anyways, we went there, and it was a blizzard, awful roads, I-90, I think it was, and we couldn't find a hotel. Do you guys remember that? Oh, man. It was not fun. Um, we finally found one, but I cannot imagine going to a hotel and them going, look, there's nothing available, but there's a shed in the back. No parent wants it to go that way. Right. It went that way. Why? Because that newborn changed their plans. Can God change yours? Can, can I point out to you that the shepherds, I mean, let, 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 me, let me, before I even get to that, those of you that have children, when you go out to eat, do you, you know what I'm talking about, the bad section of the restaurant? You know what the bad, the bad, yeah? yeah? yeah. They look at you and they go, oh, you have kids, huh? <laughs> no, they don't say it like that, but they're thinking it, and you can read it, right? You can see it on their face, and like, oh, we'll put you over here. I'm like, this is where the bad kids sit. <laughs> you know, they're like throwing stuff, and yeah, I'm like, don't put us over here. They assume, listen, when me and my wife go on a date, no problem, so glad to have you. Party of two, we'll get you right in. Show up now, how many is it? Party of eight, excuse me? <laughs> Party of eight. Uh, well, it's gonna, it's gonna be four hours. Yeah. And they don't even feel bad about it. They're like, they're looking at you going, they're judging you like you're destroying the planet or something. Like, why did you have so many kids, you know? Listen, when you, your, your plans change a little bit when you add another life into your home. Are you hearing me? Amen. You cannot add Jesus to your life and expect no change in plans. Gideon had a plan about how he was going to fight the Midianites. God changed it. Saul had an idea about how to fight Goliath, and God showed, through us, God showed us through David that there was a different plan. Peter had a plan for what he would do. He kind of kept his career just in case in his back pocket. And when the Lord Jesus shows up after the resurrection, he talks to Peter. He wrecks his plans again. Saul had a plan for his life before he became Paul the Apostle. You know what I'm trying to get at? The Lord Jesus Christ should change your plans. Look at Mark chapter 4. Come with me to Mark 4. Now, let me just say this. If I'm Jesus and I've got disciples, and I'm not, and I don't, but if I was, and I did, and, and I knew there was a storm coming, I would probably say, okay, uh, who's got the weather app, right? And you pull out your phones, and then one guy's got weather channel, and weather.com, one person's got AccuWeather, one person's got WeatherBug, and it's kind of like a Bible version issue. We got to get on the same page. Which app are we going to use? I'd find an app and I go, okay, this is our app. And I go, oh, there's a storm coming. 
okay, if there's a storm coming, we make plans. Listen, when there's a blizzard coming and, and we're thinking that it may not be safe to have church, sometimes we change our plans. Th- thank God it hasn't happened this year yet, but it could and it probably will before the, the winter's over. Uh, we've done that years gone by because of the weather. Listen, when, when weather comes your way, you change your plans. Can I just say this? What the Lord did in Mark chapter 4 is amazing. Be- because I want you to look, look, if you would, at verse number 37. Verse number 37. The Bible says, and there arose a great storm of wind. You say, what happened? The Lord told his disciples to go uh, and, and, and to go on the other side. And so they're doing that. The Bible says in verse 35, let us pass over on the other side. And so the Lord's with them in there. And, and there they go. And there's this great storm of wind. Lord, did you not see uh, back before verse 37? Did you not know in verse 35 there was going to be a great storm of wind? Yeah. Well, why are we doing this? Can we not make alternate plans? Doesn't it make sense? That if you know a, a blizzard's coming, a storm is coming, that you make plans to go around it and not into it? Uh, listen, I can tell you right now, there have been year, years, two years of our lives we spent on the road uh, raising money to go to South America. And I cannot tell you how many times my wife would go, that weather doesn't look good. I'm like, baby, I got it. <laughs> before apps and all that kind of stuff, you can just look at the sky. You know, before you look down on the phone, you look at the sky. The sky, the blue thing up there. Yeah. <laughs> And you look up there, and you could kind of tell what the weather was doing. I'll never forget one time we went through in Louisiana. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, Louisiana looks good from the rearview mirror. Amen. Um, and there was this tornado just forming. And my wife goes, what do you think? I'm like, we got this. You know what I should have done? I was an idiot. I should have made alternate plans. No, I'm thankful for God's mercy. But you know what? I look at this story, and the Lord tells them, let's go to the other side. God wants to take you somewhere where you haven't been yet. He wants you to go the other side. And it may or may not be a geographical location. It may be a move from Alaska to Colorado. Or it may not be. It may be simply, look, I want to do something with you that I haven't been able to do yet. I want you to change in this regard. And you'll never learn the lesson unless we go through this. Well, Lord, could there not be a better plan? Yeah, your, your idea of a good plan is not my idea of a good plan. That's what God would say. Can I point out to you that there's a great storm? And then can I point out to you in verse number 39? Look at the end of that verse. How does a great storm go to a great calm? You know what I think to myself? Lord, could we just have experienced a great calm by never going into the great storm? But you know what the Lord says? It's not how it works with him. Why? Because it takes faith to follow him. For you to be changed, it takes you going, God, it's not about my plans, it's about yours. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't know what's going to happen with this building stuff, but if it turns out to be where God wants us, we're going to look back and have a lot of things to laugh about. After the last two to three years, we've been looking, and I have literally, I'm not making this up. One time, I sat in the parking lot, and I literally just banged my head against the car steering wheel. (laughs) Because I'm like, why is it so hard for us to find a place? Lord, we're trying to do what you want us to do. Lord, we're and, and I can just see in the last several months, in the last year, what some things that God is doing that I didn't understand. You know what God has to be able to do in your life? Change your plans. Look at verse 15. Uh, go back, excuse me, go back to Luke chapter 2 and, and notice what the shepherds say. By the way, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. Do you realize your lack of faith can be a sin in your life? That can hold you from experiencing God's plan for your life? Look at verse 15 in our passage. You know what the shepherds say here in the middle of the verse? Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. Listen, why would shepherds stop what they're doing? You know, if you're a shepherd, you know you care about the price of, 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 of their fur. You care about their, their, uh, uh, their fleece, excuse me. You care about the price of meat. These are the things that consume your mind. Why in the world would you stop what you were doing and follow this, this, this sign in the sky unless you believe there was something there that was better than what you were doing before? Are you hearing me? God should be able to change your plans. Can I say this? One baby can change not only your plans, but your priorities. Look, if you would, at verse number 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You know what I can tell you about people? If you tell me what you're afraid of and you tell me what excites you, I can tell you what you love. We bring the baby home, and it's like, she goes, Was that a normal breath? 
was that, then the Google machine comes out. Oh, and you're like, she's going to die in two days. I mean, you don't read Google, you'll lose your mind, right? And, and, and then it's like, we're looking in her, listen, you don't laugh, you see, you're going to laugh about this, someday you're going to experience this. All right, you don't laugh, I see you laughing, you're already, don't, I said don't, he's laughing at me right now. <laughs> when you bring that baby home, you know what you're doing? Turn that baby over and picking up that diaper and looking in there. And you're like, oh man, she hasn't gone yet. Oh, what's wrong with her? You know, like maybe she's, di- no, no, she's acting normal, she's crying, I see the tears, so that's not dehydration. Go through all these things. Last night we're sitting in the bed. And it wasn't that late, maybe 8 o'clock at night, something like that. And all of a sudden, we hear, <laughs> and Lacey goes, she, oh, Lacey jumped out. She was sitting. She jumped up. Oh, she pooped. <laughs> this is what happens when you have children. These are the things that excite you, all right? The baby pooped. You know what you're worried about? When is she going to poop? When is she going to poop? Then the baby, oh, my God. Everybody stop what you're doing. Text everybody. Text mom and dad. The baby pooped. Your priorities change when you have a child. Are you ma- is this making any sense? Amen. Like if someone told you before you had kids, you'd be excited about poop, would you, would you agree? With that? that sounds insane to me, all right? And look, I know there's different kinds of dads in here. I'm the one that, I, I, I don't mind changing the diaper. It's kind of like, you know, a little bonding time, and I sing to her, and she sings back, and sometimes she does other things, you know, and, and, and I, I, think, I think it's a really good time for dads to get involved with the dirty work, Amen. Let me tell you something, bucko. You made this child. You can clean up a mess every once in a while. All right? You may not have been the incubator. You may not have been the oven in which the bun was made, but you can wipe a bottom. Amen? I can tell that one landed really heavy. We should come back and talk about that some other time. But let me just say that one baby can change your priorities. Look, if you would, at verse number 10, you notice that he addresses fear and joy. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. I know what happens if I can look at what you're afraid of and what makes you happy. That is your priority in life. That is what you're most engaged with. You know, uh, listen, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong at all with knowing the score of a game or knowing about this or knowing about that. Or, you know, I'm the guy that records the game, watches it later, and when someone comes to me at church, and go, hey, your Cowboys lost. Thank you. Thank you very much, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching it, being involved with things. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Your priority when you get saved and when you start walking with God, it should be about Jesus Christ. And you will sometimes act like a fool, just like a new mom or a mom with a newborn will say, she pooped, she pooped, everybody get excited, she pooped. And everyone around you is like, what's wrong with you? When you get walking with God, things should excite you, listen to me, that didn't excite you before. And you know, I can say this, the fears I had before, I don't fear going to hell anymore. I, I, don't, I don't fear God is, my, God is this being out there that's going to judge me and zap a lightning bolt. At, I don't fear. He's my father now. I, heaven is my home. I, the, my fears have changed. You know what I'm afraid of now? An insignificant life because I don't want to change. Things change when this newborn gets in, involved in your life. Things change when Jesus Christ gets in your life. Your fears change. It isn't it that all fears go away, but they change. And what excites you? No differently than a mom being excited about a diaper. What excites you? Maybe different than before you got saved. Let me just say this right now. If, you, if your excitement and your fears haven't changed at all, you, I'm not saying you check your salvation, but you need to check your relationship with God. Absolutely. You're, what, what makes you get up and what motivates you and, and, and what, what gets you to, to think, man, what about this and what about that? It should be centered on Jesus Christ and not yourself and not what you think and not what society says. It should be centered on him. Do you know why we have so much depression? You go, well, you're not a clinical psychologist. I'm not going to listen to you. Well, you know what? That's kind of like someone saying, well, this person, if they were really, you know, a, a scientist and I'd listen to them, Bill Nye is not the science guy. Sorry, I, just, I can tell some of you don't know what I'm talking about. The, the, the point is this. Some people listen to experts, and they ignore truth. You ought to consider this. The priorities for Mary and Joseph changed. The priorities for the shepherds changed. The priorities for Herod changed, not in a good way, but they did. The priorities for the wise men changed. You know why? 
Because when Jesus Christ shows up, he illuminates what you're afraid of and what it is that you're excited about. That's what the Holy Spirit does in your life through Jesus Christ. When you get so stuck on being excited about the things that really don't move the needle for eternity, you need to learn to step back and go, where am I? Listen, coming from someone that has a business, a church, a growing family, we have a lot of things to take care of. You have a lot of things to take care of in life. You cannot afford to lose sight of eternity as a Christian. You can't do that. Once you do that, man, you are, you are stuck in a bad place because your priorities are out of whack. You know what Jesus Christ does when he shows up? He says, okay, here are your priorities. Okay, I've got some new ones for you. Well, Lord, I, I kind of like what I'm doing over here. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm here to change your plans and to change your priorities. You know what's funny to me? They can't stop talking about Jesus Christ, and yet they won't believe him. You go, you go in the grocery store, and at least five times a year, Time and Life magazine has something about the life of Jesus. You ever notice that before? Yeah. They don't do that with Muhammad. They don't do that with Buddha. Why Jesus? Yeah. Oh, because we're in Western civilization. Well, 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 let me ask you this. Why is it that, that this story about this baby born in a manger is something that's even talked about in a Muslim country in Turkey? Why is that? There's something about this story. And you know what it is? It changes the priorities in our lives about what should be important and what interests us. The Bible says in Luke 1, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Do you know what I do at <laughs> 2 a.m., 3 a.m.? When I'm holding her, I'm just, just looking at her. I go, oh, her eyes are beautiful. She goes like this. And I know right now I just look like a big blob to her. But she sees me. And I look at her, her temporarily blue eyes. I go, man, they're beautiful. And her little nose, it's always a little cold because it sticks out a little bit. Just get, get down there, mm, kiss that thing. <laughs> I told you I turned into a goober when I had babies. I just, it's, it's how it is. And, you know, there's little cheeks, you know. And even when they cry, it's just like you look at them and go, oh. Now, when you're 30, it's not so cute. But <laughs> as, as a baby... I, I, I honestly, I look at her and, and do I, do I want to have a lack of sleep? No. But there's a reason behind it. My priorities have changed. And I look at her and I, I, I walked into church. Kind of like, you want to see my baby? Oh, everyone said, how's, how's the baby? Oh, she's right here. And this one. And I've taken like 5,000 pictures in the last couple of days. I can't stop thinking about her. Can I just say this? When Jesus comes in your life, it ought to be that way for you. And you want to talk about how he looks. And you want to talk about, you say, well, I've never seen him before. You ever read about him in Song of Solomon? You ever read that description over there? You, you, you ever, ever look at what the Bible says about how he talked and what he rejoiced at and what made him angry? And you want to say, man, if that makes him angry, then that should make me upset. And Lord, if that makes you excited, that should make me excited. And you know what? Everywhere I go, I just, he's my priority. I want to talk about him. I want to live for him. I want to point people to him. That's what I'm about. Listen to me right now. Your life should not be about you. And if you make it about you, you will be, as we learned last week, all miserable. You know what David says? In God I will praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Your fears change because of him being in your life. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, I do not receive him. More than all in him I find. Listen, he hath granted me forgiveness. You know what I tell Olivia? I'm yours, kiddo. You're mine. You know how that song goes? I am his and he is. He's my priority. You know what that little baby can do for you? He can change your crowd. He can change your people. I've loved watching. Uh, I work in my, in my business. I hire a lot of 20-somethings and I've, I've watched this over the years. You know, they kind of come in making fun of the minivan dad. You know, and we're going to get a house. You know, me and my girlfriend are going to get a house downtown or an apartment downtown. Kind of like the nightlife and the restaurants and this and that, you know. And, and you can tell they Uber everywhere and they don't want to buy a minivan because that's, you know, suburban and that's kind of, you know, over here. 
and, and I'm, not, I'm not one of those, but I'm urban, and I live the nightlife, and we go clubbing, we do this, and we do that, and we have a good time. And, and, then, and then, there's the, then there's this thing called a baby. Right. And all of a sudden, the suburbs never look so good. Right. And I'll never forget, one of my employees said, uh, so I bought a minivan. <laughs> I said, great. I said, welcome to the club. <laughs> and we're moving to the suburbs. I said, yep, yeah, you know why? Because you probably don't want to raise your kid down there. That's right. That's right. So, so you're, what happens? You, you, things change. That's right. Your people, your crowd, your environment. Listen, if you had a bunch of dudes you hung out with, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating this lifestyle, but I'm also not, I'm not, I'm not an ostrich with my head in the sand. There's a lot of men, when they first have kids, that their way of having fun is sitting down, watching a game, and drinking beer with the buddies or going out and dancing or clubbing or whatever else, when that kid comes in your life, if you're still doing that, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. For the most part, you know what happens? Your crowd, all of a sudden you're like, mothers of preschoolers unite, yay. Your crowd changes. You're no longer talking about those things from before. Now you're talking about diaper changes and nap time. And you know what? Uh, this was the other thing I'll never forget. This same employee used to make fun of people going to shop at Walmart. And she's like, Walmart's amazing now. Yeah, because the more mouths you add to feed, the better lower prices and, you know, uh, all that stuff, falling prices, whatever it is at Walmart, the better that stuff looks. Why? Your environment, listen to me, your people should change. If you are hanging out or you are making your, your circle of people, the influences in your life, if they're no different now than when you asked Jesus in your life, listen to me again, not just when you got saved, when you asked him to lead you. Some people get saved, they never ask him to do that. And they, get, and they submit to the plan of God. They go, okay, Lord, I want you to lead my life. And then it's like, okay, I've got this crowd. How do I, and you know what a lot of you are facing right now? How do I minister them without ostracizing myself? How do I keep them involved in my life so I can reach them? But I know that I can't be there like I was before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can, can I say this? These shepherds, their crowd changed. Look at verse 17. You know, you know who they were talking to? You know who they were talking to before? Sheep. Bah. <laughs> you know who they're talking to now? People that need to hear a message. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you know what the Lord should do for you? He should change your crowd. Right. Let me ask you this. Are your friends people who make you a better Christian? I'm even talking to you Christian people. Like, like you saved kids that grew up in church? And like, oh no, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go with them that do. Are they making you a better Christian by the people you hang out with? Okay, let me ask it this way. The people that you message on whatever app that you have, are they making you a better Christian? This is what real Christian living is about. This newborn changes who you hang out with, all right? How do you get fishermen and tax collectors, and religious leaders, and a carpenter. It sounds like the beginning of a joke. How do you get all those people together and going in one direction for one I'll tell you how you do it. You put Jesus in the, mix, in the midst of all of that, and it unites all of them, and you've got a different crowd, amen? Look around you this morning. There, listen, I can tell you right now, there's some of you in this room, you would have nothing to do with the other person on the other side of this church if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. The reality is we're too different, and if it wasn't for him, this would not be our crowd. But can I just remind you, this should not just be your crowd on Sunday. You should change your crowd, you should change your people. Look, if you would, at verse 17. The Bible says, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. One baby can change your entire purpose. You know what this baby did for the shepherds? It turned them into prophets. How do you take shepherds that just blue-collar shepherd people? You say, what do the shepherds do on a Friday night? I don't know. Dance with the sheep. I don't know. But I know this. They're not considered prophets. Do you know what they're considered? Ah, just a shepherd. How is it that God can take just me and just you? And take your life and put purpose into it that wasn't there before. You know, Paul says, he says, I, you have known my, my, my purpose, my manner of life, my doctrine, 
in the middle, in the beginning of that, of that phrase, he talks about purpose. It was evident to people around me, I was about Jesus. The people I was connected with online, the people that I hang out with at school, the people that my family, everyone knows, listen, my life is now about him. I've got purpose. I've got a message I didn't. Let me ask you this. How many people have you crossed this week as a believer and you had the opportunity to open your mouth and tell them about what, the, what person has changed your life more than anybody else. And you could not ask for a better time of year to do it than where we're at right now. And you didn't take it. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because your environment isn't what it ought to be. The things you're looking at aren't what they should be. Things you're thinking about aren't what they should be. And listen, you are not allowing God to change you. You know what you're saying? Well, maybe I didn't open my mouth, but I still go to church. Yeah, for now. And it won't be a while before that changes too. You are never going to be static as a believer. You're always changing. The question is in which direction. These shepherds had a message. They had a purpose to their life. You know what the Bible says? Daniel purpose in his heart. He determined to be different. The Bible says, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. I love that. What starts here in a manger ends up on a throne, Revelation chapter number 20. Isn't that great? It, it's, it's interesting, look at from there, from Luke 2 to Revelation 20, go, look at where it's going to end up. Yeah, look at where you're going to end up, in glory, Amen. with a sinless body. But between now and then, can you change your plans? Can you change your priorities? Can you change your people? Listen to me very carefully. I, I know some of you have really struggled with this concept. You know you can love people and show care for them without jumping in and doing everything that you used to do before you knew Jesus. You might have to put some barriers up in your life, but it doesn't mean it's all or nothing. It doesn't mean you write everybody off in your life like you're in some kind of cult. You ought to be able to reach out. Listen to me. I'm telling you, some of you are so cut off from the rest of the world, you don't see sinners around you that need Jesus Christ. And you're not talking to them, and you're not opening, and you hide behind the fact that you're a part of a church, and my church does that. What about you? Can you change your purpose? And on that baby crying, amen? Let me just say this. Someday... Those cries will go away. And you're praying they do real quick, amen? But they'll go away. And there'll be all kinds of different things that that child goes through that you go, oh, I wish you didn't have to go through that. And you'll long for the days of newborn cry. And let me just say, there'll be times in your life where you're going to look back and go, man, I remember when I first got saved. I remember when Jesus became a real part of my life. Can I say rather than saying, I remember, make that today. Make it today. The gray hair showing up, the wrinkles, you know, you smile and you take a picture and you look at it and you go, do I look like that? <laughs> the answer is yes, you do. And you go, man, was that just a bad angle? No, you're just getting fat. Yeah. But someday I'm going to see him face to face. Not as a baby in a manger, but as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this baby that I've talked about for the last 20 some years of my life, I'm going to behold him and I'm going to stare into his eyes and I hope and I pray that I can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I believe part of that is going to go back to how much I allowed the Lord to change my life from the moment that I met him to the moment that I see him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's all stand. Father, we know this world's trying to change us. Well, we know that the sin nature within us wants to change us. Well, we know the spirit of Antichrist that the Bible speaks about wants to infiltrate our minds. Well, we are being pulled in so many directions and we are being changed, but I don't know that it's always the right kind. Lord, would you help us to take a step back this morning?
and evaluate which direction we're being changed in. Lord, I, I look at the shepherds and I see, Lord, that we don't know what happens to them after this. This is the end of what we can see from their lives. But I don't think their story stopped there. I'm sure for the rest of their lives, they got to tell other people about what they experienced. They got to preach a message that they could not have preached before because of this newborn. And then I contrast that and I look at Herod, Lord, and he changed, he just became worse. <laughs> but I know this, Lord, no one meets you without changing. It's just a matter of which direction. Lord, I pray sincerely, God, not just out of ritualistic, I hate, Lord, this idea that Oh, it's invitation time, and this is just what we do. Lord, would you help us to sincerely get tuned in? Be, Lord, in a place in our lives where we can soak this in and, and just cry and earnestly desire to be changed. To want more of you, Lord. To find or refine our purpose, Lord. We are here for your pleasure. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Christian, are you allowing God to change you? I don't mean to be too harsh, but some of you have come to a place where you self-righteously have told yourself, I'm done. Nothing else to change. And you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. I was raised in a preacher's home. Great. But guess what? When you stand in front of Jesus, he's not going to ask you what your dad or your parents did. He's going to ask you what you did and why. In 1963, the University Christian Church in New York had a sign put on the door of the church, and it said this, gone out of business, didn't know what our business was. <laughs> God forbid that ever gets put on the sign of our church. What about the sign of your heart? Do you know what you're here for? My purpose in relation to my newborn, it, it's so different. I look at her and automatically I think my job is to comfort you, my job is to protect you, my job is to console you, my job is to help you. I don't generally feel that way at one and two in the morning, but my purpose has changed. And I just wonder, I wonder how much of the Christian life God's people are missing out on. David says in the book of Psalms that because there was no fear of God, they have no changes. In other words, you're not allowing God to change you because you, you forgot. He's the central character of the story. He's, the, he's it. He is the filling of the Oreo cookie. You don't have a cookie without it. You, your life, listen to me, I don't mean this to sound harsh, but our lives are kind of meaningless. If you take God out of the picture, do you know what you are? You're, you're a being that's consuming and, and, and then you leave this planet, and it's kind of like, that's it. You consumed, you enjoyed, you did this, you did that, you worked a job you, 30 years, you saved up, you, you died. He gives you purpose, amen? <laughs> I mean, when you leave this place, you ought you to stand. I don't mean tall out of pride, but go, man, I've got a reason to live. I've got something the lost and dying world doesn't have. If you're not careful... If you're not careful, you get to a place where it's like, oh yeah, it's Christmas, it's that time of year, that's what we do. Talk about Jesus, you know, keep Christ in Christmas, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, how about keep Christ in the center of your life? I'll give you this in closing. Mary and Joseph were better. They were better for having Jesus in their life. 
the shepherds were better for having Jesus in their, li- in their lives. Later in this chapter, there's a man named Simeon. You know what the Bible says? It says that he was waiting for the consolation of the Holy Ghost, waiting for the coming of the Messiah. His life was better because of meeting Jesus. Your life will be better. Change. Change is hard, but change is good. And change for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ is the best. Hope you got something from the Word today. And uh, hope we can leave here with a mm, full cup knowing who it is that's the central character of our story. Amen? It's not me. It's not me. And you know what? As cute as Olivia is, it's not Olivia. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming today. I hope you got something from the Word. I hope you leave differently. I hope you can, on the way out, don't forget... Maybe grab some of these candlelight invitations. Maybe grab some of those Christmas-themed gospel tracks and take advantage of the season that we're in right now. Um, listen, I, I talked to a Starbucks barista the other day that uh, was looking for a church. They may never come here. That's okay. But you know what he said? He said, it's just refreshing to have a Christian talk to me about Jesus. Amen. And uh, you just, you're, you're the light, folks. You're it. If the salt has lost its savor, it is therefore good for nothing. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing. And uh, if you are sticking around for a candlelight practice, we'll hover around here. Hopefully the pizzas will be here soon. We'll head downstairs and kick things off. Does that work, brother? Okay. All right, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. And uh, Brother Moore, uh, thanks for bringing the word. Tim, I should probably specify, huh? Tim, he's like, don't look at me, man. Leave me out of this. I'm visiting. (laughs) Tim, if you would close this out in a word of prayer, brother.